The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Once again, um, I want to welcome you to our church. My name is Dave Parton. live in the neighborhood, um, planted the church with my wife and some of you guys three and a half years ago, and God's doing some cool things in our community. One of them being, as I was just sharing with Jess a few years ago, began praying for Doug and Lindsay that they would have a baby, and then we just get to celebrate the dedication of this wonderful child. So... Praise the Lord for what he's doing. We're in a series uh, here during our preaching time called Life on Mission. And we've been talking about what it means to follow God's mission to, uh, to, to know and enjoy the Lord. And that the world doesn't know who God is, but God has sent his missionaries or his children to go and share that. So to have a life on mission that's uh, the same as God's mission is that he can bring satisfaction to all those who find worship and glory in his name. And I've invited Eric Stelzer. He's um, a, a pastor down at Neighborhood Church in Olathe. He's planting an, another church down there. And he's going to be coming this morning to share with us. So I'm going to pray for you, Eric. And I'm just going to pass the mic on to you. Father, we thank you for Eric Stelzer and his love for you and his love for his neighbors. Uh, may your spirit soften our hearts today. And may you guide us to be more aligned with the work that you would have us do for your glory. It's in your name. Amen. Thanks, Dave. Good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good, good. My name is Eric Stelzer, as Dave has shared. And my wife and I are in the early stages of planting a new church in Olathe. We're super excited about what God is doing there and is going to do. And, um, yeah, here at Neighborhood Church, we love Jesus. We love the Bible, so we're going to crack this open. And I've been tasked with the um, – I've been tasked with – bringing a message to you today about hospitality, hospitality in the home, what it would look like to live an inclusive, generous life in the home for the glory of God. And before we jump into that, I just want to put in a shameless plug. Dave gave me permission for this. So I am starting a new thing on YouTube, youtube.com slash I like to teach and I create videos. It's kind of one of my side jobs. But each Monday, I'm putting out a new video, Quick Tips for Life on Mission. So if you go there, it's just a quick, practical thing. And most of the things are things that Leah and I do in our life, um, things that we've learned. And so, and shameless plug, you can get rid of that. Um, but, yeah, that's just one thing that we're doing. It's a resource for you. It's something that we enjoy doing. So being tasked with talking about mission through hospitality. And I want to start with this verse in Romans chapter 12, verse 13. It's on page 948 in the black hardcover Bibles underneath your seat. I'm going to read from a different version than the one that's underneath your seat. But I want to start with this passage. It'll be on the Sky Bible above me as well. Romans 12, 13 says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. And I want to focus in on those two words right there. Practice hospitality. Would you pray with me? Father God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning. That you would compel us, move us, motivate us to live lives on mission in our neighborhoods. 
um, for the glory of Jesus, for the joy of our neighborhoods, for the glory of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I got a text um, a couple days after Christmas two years ago from one of my neighbors. And he told me, Eric, I just had a really, really tough Christmas, and I would really appreciate if you prayed for me. So I push in, like, what's going on? Come to find out, he spent Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, and the next day in prison. So I was like, bro, what? <laughs> He's like, yeah, and I think my wife's about to leave me. I'm about to lose my kid. Like, I don't know what to do. I was like, we got to get together ASAP, and, like, we need to have a conversation. I'll buy you dinner, whatever. So we go down to Gates in downtown, and I, I buy him dinner, and he starts to open up and share this conversation, or this story, excuse me. Years prior, he was living in Florida. There was an attack on his house where he had a knife held to him and his wife. And because of that, around the holidays, they have these, tri- they, they have these episodes, and they're on um, medication for PTSD. And that Christmas Eve, he was in his home with his wife, and he was on his medication, was starting to feel some things, and was sitting on the couch next to her, and he was having a couple beers, which is probably not something you should do with medication, right? And they get in an argument, and it starts to escalate, and he gets really, really upset. He grabs the keys, runs out the door, hops in his SUV, and begins to drive south 20 minutes. He's driving to his in-law's house. Now, his father-in-law and him do not have a good relationship. He's a black man, and his father-in-law is white and has used racial slurs before. So when he gets to his in-law's house, he proceeds to drive his SUV into the side of their house, backs out, drives in again, backs out, drives off, and ends up in a ditch later found by cops. I was like, oh, that's a bad Christmas. I didn't say that to him. But I was like, oh, my goodness. And in that moment, Leah and I began a long, prayerful journey where we got to introduce Jesus and hope and healing in that relationship. We would spend time praying for them, meeting with them, answering questions. Just, it was just months and months of just like listening to them and trying to share Jesus. And oftentimes I was able to um, extend an offer or share about Jesus. And one day I was at a lunch with him at the Thai place right down here. And he was sharing about some things and some steps that he was taking forward. And I was like, bro, can I just, can I just share something with you? He's like, sure. And I pull out a piece of paper, and I begin to draw a picture of the gospel, one that David showed me. It's awesome. And I, I write Bible verses on there, and I'm like, bro, this is the only thing that's going to bring you hope and healing. I said, this is, the, this is, this is what you need, bro. To which at the end of the conversation, he admits that he realizes that he needs Jesus. And from that moment on, his life begins to radically change. He begins listening to sermons on, online and on the radio like all the time. And his wife and him begin to start taking steps to, towards restoration. He starts talking about all the things he's learning in the Bible and, and, and steps that he's taking in order to like reconnect with his wife and to love her and care for her. And their marriage is restored. And they're happy now. And they just bought a house in Lenexa. And things are going well. And I, and I share this story with you to spark hope in you. See, 
This story happened with a simple act of hospitality. Four months prior, they moved into our neighborhood. I saw a U-Haul truck, and I was like, huh, I'll go help him. He's 6'10", huge. What does he need my help for? But I was like, I'm going to go help him, you know. So I go, I go walk across, and I'm helping him move. And that was about it. A couple months later, I invite him to a Halloween party. We invited our neighbors to. He comes in with his wife. It's great. We just connected a little more. He got to meet some of my friends and some of my neighbors. And then just a week prior to that incident, Lee and I had him over, him and his wife and his kid, for my tasty homemade pizza. So there's three small interactions that I had with him. And because of those intentional interactions, it created this bridge that when everything came falling down around them, they invited us to cross that bridge into their life during one of the toughest times of their lies. See, and this is the essence of hospitality because my na- they were just strangers to me. There was no real connection. And the essence of hospitality is demonstrating love to a stranger. So Romans 12, 13 says, practice hospitality, right? So I've never taken a Greek class. I don't, I don't know how to do all that stuff. But I, I looked up in some dictionaries. I was like, what does the word hospitality mean? And I'll, I'll put it up here, the, this breakdown. It says, philonexia. Philo is like Philadelphia, you know, the, the city of brotherly love. Friend, companion, brotherly love. And nexia means stranger, alien, unknown. So combining those two together, it's this making a stranger a friend. Making a stranger a friend. Philo, nexia. And then I, I found a couple other definitions and made up my own definition that I'll put up here. It says, to make a stranger a friend with warmth and love by generously opening your home. This is the definition of hospitality. So Paul is saying, practice this. Making strangers friends with warmth and love by generously opening your home. And if we look back at Romans twelve thirteen, if I have it up here. Romans 12, 13, it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need. And, and a lot of times I think as a church and even for myself, like that's the easy part. Like, I mean, maybe it's not that easy, but a lot of you guys are my friends. And it's really easy for me to share with you and to care about you. And it's like, oh, yeah, we can do that. And a lot of times we just stop there and we say, that's what hospitality is. Like, I used to think hospitality was, okay, you just got to have a nice Chip and Joanne Gaines house. You got to be able to throw a well-organized party, right? Like all those things. It's like if I can pull that off, it's going to be good. But no, it's like no, practice hospitality is more than just sharing with people you know. It is making a stranger a friend. So then I was like, okay, what's the word practice mean? <laughs> I'm not putting it up there. But when I, when I read out what the, what the word practice meant, It literally means to hunt down as a hunter chases his prey. Paul is saying hunt down hospitality. Hunt down, like pursue, zealously pursue hospitality, making strangers friends. And when Dave told me that I was going to be preaching this message, I was like, oh, yeah, I got that, you know. Like, I think I show show hospitality pretty well until Friday night when I read the definition of practice. I was like, whew, I don't really know if I'm that zealous about it. Like, I, I have some neighbors over. I invite some strangers over. Like, I, I think I'm pretty extroverted and can connect with people. But, like, when I read that, I was like, oh, man, I got some growing to do. 
practice, zealously pursue hospitality. It's a big task, isn't it? It's, it's dangerous. It's intrusive to our own comforts and our lives and our homes, is it not? Like thinking about that, inviting strangers into a safe space in your home where we unwind, where we find comfort and security. It's dangerous to let them bring all their baggage in. It's a big, big task. And sometimes they stay much longer than you want them to. It's going to cost you a lot of money. We spend a lot of money on groceries. Sometimes they'll take naps on your couch during the afternoon, which just happened two weeks ago in our house. Like, these things are going to happen. But this type of life, living on mission by demonstrating hospitality in the home, is the life God is calling us to, calling each and every one of you to. It's not for the pastor. It's not just for the missionary. Like Paul's writing this to the church in Rome. Each and every one of us practice, zealously pursue hospitality. There's only one person in this room who gets an off. And that's the person in this room who say, I'm not a Christian. And hearing this now, you might be like, I don't want to be a Christian. <laughs> like, that sounds really scary. But stick with me. There's some really, really good news at the end. There's some good news that I think you're going to be like, man, I want that lifestyle. But God is calling each and every one of us to this lifestyle. Whether you're extroverted or introverted, he says, zealously pursue making a stranger a friend. So I want to look at just three quick key components to how do we make strangers friends in our home. The first is a recognition of stewardship. A recognition of stewardship. This is the first step to living a life of hospitality in the home. Understanding that we are each stewards. Like thinking about the things that God has given us. You are a steward. You are a manager, not an owner. Like let me repeat that. You are a manager of your possessions, not an owner. Psalm 24.1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. It is all his, and he has just called us to care for and manage it. Your job is his. Your relationships are his. Your family is his. Your vehicles are his. Your gifts and talents are his. Your home is his. It's all his, and he's called you to steward it for his purposes. You're not an owner. Your steward. And when we understand that, it actually frees us to live on mission in hospitality because we're like, it's not mine. I don't care if I lose it. It's not mine. It's his. So understanding that we are a steward of what God has given us. Scripture says in James chapter 1, every good gift comes from God. Everything you have is on loan to you. So whether it's an apartment, a small ranch, a big house down south, it's all his. It's for him, and you're just a steward of it, a manager of it. Using your home for the stranger is a huge theme all across Scripture. In the Old Testament, Israel was called to be a welcoming place for foreigners and strangers. Like we see it all across the Old Testament. Here's just one example, Ezekiel 47, verse 13. This is what the sovereign Lord says. These are the boundaries of the land that you will divide among the 12 tribes of Israel as their inheritance. 
Notice that word inheritance. Now go to the next verse in 22. You are to allot it as an inheritance for yourselves and for the foreigners residing among you and who have children. You are to consider these strangers, these foreigners, as native-born Israelites. Along with you, they are to be allotted an inheritance, land, property among the tribes of Israel. And verse 23 says, in whatever tribe a foreigner resides, there you are to give them their inheritance, declares the sovereign Lord. This was the call for the people of Israel in the Old Testament, to open their land and their homes to foreigners, to bring them in. And then look at this correlating passage in Matthew, moving on to the New Testament. Matthew 25, 34 Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. Hear that word inheritance? The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Verse 35 says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, a foreigner, and you invited me in. You made me a friend. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick. And you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. See, we see this in the Old Testament and the New Testament, that God calls us to be people who use our homes, steward our homes for the foreigner, the stranger, to invite them into an inheritance, to invite them in to something that they didn't have. And I love this last passage I'll read. Luke 14, 12 to 14. When you put on a luncheon or a banquet... Jesus is saying this. He said, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, and rich neighbors, for they will invite you back. And and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. God beckons us into a rewarding lifestyle of inviting the stranger into our home. Like he says, it's easy to... To share and care for the needs of the family of God, like that's good, like do that, right? But he says there's a greater reward to inviting those people into your home who cannot repay you. Like when when you realize that, when I when I realize that, I'm like, okay, I want to open my home up to everyone. Like anyone who can't repay me because God has promised me a reward, an eternal reward, something that I couldn't even uh, imagine. And going back to my story earlier that I shared, if I would have never helped my neighbor, if I would have never invited him over, if I would have never, like I would have never got the joy to introduce him to Jesus. I would have never got the joy just to like stand back and watch a marriage get restored. But more than that, like I never got recognized for it and I'm not trying to get recognized for it right now. Like, no one in Greenbrier has a plaque of Eric and Leah, best neighbors on the block. (laughs) Right? But God has promised me because of that, he's going to reward me beyond my imagination. And it just, it it fuels me, and it should fuel you to be like, man, I want to give my life away to living life on mission through hospitality. So the first key component is that we recognize that we are stewards of our homes, And the second is going to be very, very practical. It's just some things that Lee and I do. So there's not going to be a ton of Bible verses in this section. Um, But the second is creating rhythms of intentionality. Rhythms of intentionality. Like how do we move towards a lifestyle of living life on mission? It's rhythms of intentionality. 